today's guest, Jamie Heaslip. You're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you. Yeah, Listen, before we get to your picks, because there's some really interesting ones there, Like I imagine reading, if you're a sportsman, I, I imagine you do a lot of reading, because a lot of time hanging around, a lot of time on buses, a lot of time on aeroplanes. Yeah, a lot of travelling. A lot of travelling and, and guys use different things, you know, iPads, laptops, their phone, Kindles, the whole lot. But um, I still love actually physically holding or having a book. A book, um, yeah. I love gifting books to people. Um, but yeah, every night, every night. And when we're traveling on planes, you know, that 10 minutes where you're not allowed to do anything on a plane when you're yeah. taking off. I love getting stuck into a book there for 10, 15 minutes. And do you have a particular genre book? I mean, do you read everything? Do you read like fiction? Do you read biographies or anything? I, I don't particularly like fiction. Um you know, books have got to have some sort of truism for me to really relate to, I suppose. And it's something I can't even relate to. They go way over my head. But I was talking to Rob Carney about it. I was like, you know, some books, some guys, you know, they might read the first chapter or two and if it doesn't grab them, they just put it down. But You I'm persevere? A, I'm a stubborn man, yeah. Even if it's going way over my head. I read a book recently called More Money Than God, all about the different financial kind of peaks and troughs over the years, about hedge funds, basically way over my head but I was like no I'm sticking, sticking, sticking to the course Is that a metaphor for like I mean is that, <laughs> Probably is that a, I'm a stubborn man yeah. um, so that probably Is that a bit of your da- I mean I've heard you talking about your dad before and the kind of sort of values he instilled in you is there is there a bit of that kind of the, almost sort of the military training there uh, that you, yeah. you stick with something when you start it? My dad is a stubborn man yeah and, and he likes <laughs> to see things through and I suppose that's what uh, the values he instilled in me but uh, probably the main value with him is is just all about hard work and perseverance to be honest Okay well listen let's let's get to some of your yeah. uh, your, your choices I'm interested to see what you thought Yeah well I'm fascinated by them <laughs> uh, and, and I'll get to I mean I'll get to why I'm particularly I'm fascinated by them You can tell me which one surprised you the most Well uh, this one in a way well no this one didn't really surprise me I suppose when you think about it it kind of makes sense The 4 hour series yeah. by Tim Ferriss and there's a series of books here yeah. you've got the the 4 hour work week which sounds brilliant uh, if, if you can <laughs> if do, you it. do it uh, The 4 hour body which sounds great as well and, and the 4 hour chef you know I'm not surprised when I see these because you you have to strive for excellence in what you do anything less than excellence isn't good enough for you. No. You, know, you know, some of us can, in some jobs, can get by by being, you know, okay. You can't do that in your in your business. No, no. Um, I think to have any sort of longevity, uh, you've got to constantly be evolving. Evolve or die is what I always say. Uh, so you have to be constantly looking up on the latest science, the latest hardware, software, you know, journals coming out. And to be honest, you know, I don't have that much time to devote to doing a lot of research. So little kind of, Hacks, I suppose, is what I'm constantly looking for. Now, following people that do that kind of work, I suppose, or who, yeah. it's their job to be informed on that, those decisions. And Tim Ferriss is a guy that um, you know, I listen to his podcast quite a bit as well. And he's he's the type of guy that he talks about metadata. He gets all that mass of data and kind of just funnels it down and finds kind of the, he talks a lot about the 80-20 rule, you know, the 20% of things that will get you to 80% of results. And um, it kind of fits into... A lot of stuff that Team GB talked about the last Olympics, you know, the marginal gains, and and he kind of gets into that, like the little one percenters that build up to a big gain. And uh, you can take any of them, but the first one I actually started ever read was the Four Hour Work Week, 
And um, yeah, I was I was curious about that because it's difficult for you. I mean, as a rugby player, you can't cut your hours. You have to spend a certain yeah. amount of time in the gym. You have to spend a certain amount of time training. Yeah, you obviously spend a certain amount of time playing a match. But I, I presume for you as a player, it's about making sure you maximise every minute that you're doing. Basically, is it? Yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. I approach the sport. Well, I suppose I approach my uh, my life quite holistically. Is probably the best way to describe it. So. Rugby is not the be-all and end-all with me, but it's absolutely a passion, and I'm more than committed to it. You know, when you're at professional level, it's, it consumes your whole lifestyle. But I always think if you do too much of one thing, your scales aren't going to balance. So where that book was really, really good, it just kind of helped give you tools to use your time effectively, mm-hmm. I suppose, and and different ways of how to get information about the different areas that you really have a passion about and the best ways to follow that if you don't have that much experience in it, I suppose, is is one way of describing it. But it was great just for trying to manage time. And then obviously any of the four-hour body or even the four-hour chef, you can see how they're a lot more similar for someone like myself or anything. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the holistic approach. I mean, I presume if you're a sportsman, uh, I mean, it's it's only, what, 20 years ago that Arsene Wenger came in and started talking about what you eat and people thought, this is just crazy. Now it's just an assumed part of every sport. I remember when they used to give us cans of Coke after training and say that was... A bit of sugar boost That, or that was the best thing you can have. And I'm kind of going, come on, I'll take it. But like, yeah, it's moved a long way now. And, and I think you've seen, um, I've seen different studies and stuff in terms of the transformation of players' body comps over the last 20, 25 years, even over the last... Like I've been playing now, this is my uh, the end of my 10th full professional season and um, I've seen a, I don't know if some players who I played with in year one would be able to play the game today because it's changed so fast, so quickly, mm. off the back of all that stuff and people like Tim Ferriss from reading his information kind of help me along, I suppose, get those hacks to try and keep up with the young guns. Mm. And is it about as a sportsman and as a, like a, a top sportsman at the top of your field, is it about always looking for that edge, that little yeah. extra half percent that you know makes you the test choice for uh, Ireland or the Lions? It's yeah, to be honest, at that level, everyone's good. You know, everyone is good, especially you play Pro Twelve League, then it goes up again when you play Europe, and then it goes up to another level when you play international rugby. And I suppose it's only when you get to the top and you get a taste of that do you realise what it takes to stay up there. Yeah, and because the game is constantly evolving, the game is getting faster because of the introduction of science and technology to it. So everything, training's becoming more like games, which kind of has an effect of making training better, make games better, and just keeps going and going and going. So in order to get any sort of gain on anyone, you have to go off and put the work in, in terms of um, looking at different ways to recover, looking at different ways to uh, how your body works. You know, uh, I just did a recent stuff, got my full blood panels done and, and sent off my 23andMe DNA sample. So... Gotta get information back about that that hopefully gets me get more out of out of nutrition. So it just keeps you're constantly looking for marginal gains that build up to a big game. Is there ever a danger it becomes you think too much about it, it becomes too scientific that you know, you forget that you're a natural born footballer who, you know, these things come naturally to you in many ways and you almost kind of forget that or uh, I think in certain sports like I'm a big NFL fan and that sport at times, I think in certain positions, has is just a numbers game, as in they've got to be X height, run as fast as what kind of speed they have to do over the 40. You know, they have to hit certain markers and they get picked off the back of that. But I think rugby is one of the few team sports where there's a position for every type of body type. And because of that, the way the game is, that you have all these different people with different skill bases, different attributes on the field. You'll constantly need that blend. And, but the football ability will be the one constant throughout everyone that 
at times you just can't coach. You know, certain players are, are just streets of heaven, uh, everyone yeah. else and, and other things you can't. OK, Listen, let's get to your, your second choice. This is a really interesting choice. The Paradox of Choice. Oh, yeah. Why More is Less by Barry Schwartz. You yeah. know, and I was reading about this book because I, I wasn't aware of it. I kind of went, you know what, this is so true. Like, like sometimes too much choice actually, I mean, you want to have choice, but too much choice can be a pain in the neck at times and stressful. And Yeah. What grabbed you about this book? It was actually most of my books are Tim Ferriss recommendations. Well, actually not on this list, but a lot of the books I read are off the back of what he recommends but this one um, it just made sense to me when I heard about it I read the introduction to it and it just made perfect sense in terms of how people obtain satisfaction from certain things and and the, you know we're constantly inundated with different choices different selections you know this one's better than that as opposed to kind of sticking with what you like mm. and then just ignoring all the rest of the noise and it made sense to me the way I approach let's say a high pressure game it's just do what you know, do your job, ignore all the outside noise and opinions and all that and everything else will come good and you get more satisfaction, I suppose, from it. But it, I mean, I, I read it and started applying some of the things in terms of even just going to a restaurant. I, and, yeah. and just I was, fit, like, that was what I was thinking. You know I what I mean? hate when I go into a restaurant. There's a massive menu with about thirty main courses. And t- I almost like when they say, "Look, this is our <laughs> set menu. Here you can have X, Y. Great, I'll have yeah. that." Just and then you're always good. looking. I used to always look at what someone else is eating across the table. Like, oh man, I should have ordered. Yeah, that. my wife basically. She always picks the better <laughs> thing than I do. You know, and I'm always. I'm just going to order what she has. You know? So it's funny because my father-in-law to be. You know, he's a man that knows what he likes and he goes to certain restaurants that he likes and he orders, the, you know, most of the time relatively similar thing. He goes to the same places that he likes. And, and for a while I was like, oh, why you, would you not try Broaden different things? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then after reading this, I went, this guy was ahead of the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's 30 years ahead of the game. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for just being content and happy with what you have. And, mm. and that kind of builds into a lot of the kind of holistic approach to things I was talking about previously. Does this book particularly appeal to a sports person? Because I've heard so many sports people over the years just very honestly saying, look, you know, when you're a sports man or woman at the top, you have to be quite selfish and you have to just, you know, focus on, on your sport and what you're doing. You know, if you've too much choice and too many things going on, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, you do. You have to have a very understanding support system around you. Um, I'm very, very lucky that I have a fiancé that uh, puts up a lot of my selfishness when it comes to sport. I try not to be, but... Inevitably, it, yeah. It's all-consuming. I mean, even trying to book holidays is a nightmare. You don't know if you're going on tour. You don't know if you're going to be injured. All this, like, just a basic thing like that or planning for a weekend or the amount of weddings. I've, I've had two weddings where I've been a groomsman and I can't go because of the sport. But, you know... Yeah, this this book, you know, it, it just allows you just cut, you know, not waste energy on decisions, which is um, yeah, a lot to be said. Yeah, a lot to be said for it, and I would highly recommend that book, and it would surprise a lot of people. Okay, your third choice. I was less surprised by this yeah. one, I suppose. And uh, no limits. The will to succeed by Alan Abrahamson and Michael Phelps, of course, who is, you know, I suppose the, ultimate. the greatest Olympian. He has the most medals, gold medals, than uh, most medals uh, than anyone else in the Olympics, and. I got it not long after that 2008 Olympics it got released and it changed a lot of how I approached the sport of rugby. Dramatically it changed how I approached really? it. In terms of professionalism, not just taking it for granted, I suppose, not just backing your footballing ability and that would get you through. And just seeing the focus and the plan, 
that he had. He just he broke it down into like I'm an en- I did medical engineering in, in college and I just broke it down in that very methodical thinking. He was going to hit X time in the 200 meter butterfly, for example, and he broke it down by, okay, well I need to hit these different times along that path at different meets along the way, and like he is gifted, you know, he's naturally gifted in terms of his yeah. his body shape for the pool, but his focus and determination and professionalism and that kind of sacrifice and selfishness that you talked about, this man has it in spades. And that's probably the book I gift the most to people. Wow. See, I find that fascinating because I mean, someone who loves sport and played sport, but not at a very high level, I just always assumed that guys like yourselves, yourself, yeah. you know, the likes of Phelps, I didn't doubt that you worked hard and that you practiced, but I, I sort of thought it was kind of, it was almost preordained really that, you know, if you did the work, you'd get the success. But this book uh, seems to suggest there's, there's a lot more to it. Oh, there's, I mean, uh, okay, you, you probably remember when, you know, when you're back in school and there was always a kid that everyone's like, he's unreal at soccer or rugby or whatever, a guy, he's going all the way and nothing ever happens to them. You know, my old man used to say to me, talent is nothing without discipline. And this man, he was the blend of natural shape <laughs> for the sport, ability and discipline. And you've got to have all three, a blend of all three in order to have major success. But I've seen a lot of players who had good footballing ability, not amazing, but who just had a serious work ethic and that saw them go a long, long way and had great careers just off the back of that because there's a lot of talented people who who just don't apply themselves. I get why a book like this is really appealing to you and how you as a top sports person can learn from it. For Joe Bloggs like myself... I mean, are there lessons you can take for life from it? Because, you know, I'm never going to win a, a Heineken Cup or, or win a, a, a Six Nations. It's not Nation. too late. Yeah, no, I'm afraid <laughs> it's about 30 years too late. But go You're very kind, but go on. Um, he sets a lofty goal, a lofty target, win X amount of medals at the Olympics. But then, okay, if that's the goal, okay, how do we get there? And re- just breaks it down methodically. And then just by establishing a goal, like to obtain a dream, you need a plan. You know what I mean? And you need to set goals along that way, those markers. And it's just, you could apply that to business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You want a turnover of X. It's like, okay, well, how do we break that down? And it's just kind of how we peel that back to the very basic level of everyday training, his diet, his calories, his recovery. Um, Like his whole life evolved around that moment. Mm. Um, What really hit home with me as a professional is how the all-encompassing way he approached it. You know, every facet of his life. Are you a better rugby player because you read this book? 100%, yeah. That had one of the biggest influences on me. Okay. Our guest, you'll recognise his voice, is uh, Jamie Heaslip, uh, Ireland rugby international, Leinster player, uh, British and Irish Lions test player. We're going through his uh, top five books. The clock is a little bit against us, but I, okay. I want to get to your uh, uh, two fascinating choices to finish. Brands Win Championships by Jeremy Darlow. And when I saw you pick this one, I immediately I have to ask you, because it's one of the things that about your own sport that always amazes me, and that's the all-black Brand. Yeah, yeah, and um, just you get this team that together are extraordinary, and then you see them individually when they come to play in uh, in England, or not. and they're good players, but they don't have that same aura about them when they don't have yeah. that jersey on. And is that what we're talking about in relation? Uh, to a this little book? bit like this, this is mainly based around um, American colleges, uh, American college football thing. But there's actually a great book called Legacy, which is all about the All Blacks, and yeah. I, I read that recently as well, and I actually was him and humming and home between the two of them okay. for this. But in terms of brands win championships, I've, I've a big interest in the business of sports and how sports approach it holistically and like a whole organization. 
it was really, really interesting on, on how some of the American colleges, which is a $6 billion industry alone, the colleges, how they approach the sport, you know, how, they, how the organizations or universities approach it from the fans all the way up, their culture all the way up to the top and how they create a creative brand in order to recruit the top players, you know, and they were how they appeal to fans, how they appeal to young players, all that sort of thing, you know. It was very, very interesting. And, and, but legacy is, is not too dissimilar from it. When I think of your own team, Leinster, I mean, that strikes me as a brand that has dramatically changed in yeah. probably, I don't know, 10 years. I mean, you know all the lazy stereotypes that were thrown at, at Leinster, particularly compared to Munster. And then you just turned that on its head and you became the premium brand in the market. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the strongest rugby brands in the world after the All Blacks is the Irish rugby team, to be honest especially with our expats spread out throughout mm. the entire world. But, you know, Leinster has done a great job in turning around. I think it could be better, but they've done a fantastic job to this point. And I think the RFU have done a great job at this point, but I think it could be much, much better and much, much bigger. But I think sometimes as we Irish people probably have a problem of going, well, okay, we're good and let's mm. make it better and let's almost, you know, sell that brand effectively and treat it like a brand it because almost, it's professional I, sport that's I, what it is I totally get what you're saying but I have to put that some people be saying um, you know and I, I don't you know you're a proud Irish man I know yep. you love putting on the Irish jersey or whatever but to talk about brands in relation to sport it almost sounds a little bit soulless doesn't it um, not really no people are proud of it and people want to be part of it and you've got to let them feel a part of the jersey you've got to feel them feel part of the team and you feed off that as a player, I suppose. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, even if you come to, like, because this is about the business side of the sport, this book in particular, I mean, the game isn't, it's professional now. There is a lot of money in the sport, a lot of TV rights money, a lot of sponsorship money. And I think in order to go forward, we've seen with the money that's been spent in Europe, in, in, in France and in England, in terms of that TV money that's floating around, mm-hmm. for example, you've got to make brands attractive in order to get that money in, which will allow supporters and fans to have a better experience at the game um, I, I, I think sport is only going to get bigger in terms of a content driver because it's one of the few live things that actually happens anymore in TV yeah, yeah absolutely I presume it's also about excellence begetting excellence you know if, if for a, a franchise or a, or a club to succeed you have to be excellent in every facet yeah. of the business the culture has got to permeate throughout an entire organisation in order for it to be successful. And, and at Leinster, you know, we've, tried, we've done very hard over the last 10 years to really change that culture. And, and it's ever evolving like anything, always evolving. And they're constantly getting better and trying to push it. Okay, let's get to your, your last choice. This, okay. one, this one really intrigued me. I mean, I knew you were into your music. But um, yeah, the, the book is This Is Your Brain on Music, The Science of a Human Obsession by Daniel J. Leviton. Yeah. T- tell us about this book. Again, that one was another recommendation by Tim Ferriss listening to Daniel Levitin was on his podcast and listening to him I'm fascinated how the brain works I'm fascinated how the brain learns I'm fascinated how different areas of your brain like your short term memory your long term memory visualisation how these like we can visualise doing plays in a game and it activates the same receptors in your brain and I'm like this is mad like, I, I can't understand this and in reading I love music. And then I was, I was like, yeah, isn't it funny the way you can remember a song from you were 10 years old yeah. and you remember the words? And like, how does that get lodged in there? Yeah, if only we could remember poems that yeah. were to the same extent. Or yeah, and it always baffled me, even you know, through college and through school and stuff like that. And, and this kind of kind of, it's about music, but it's how the brain works when it's consuming information. The different areas in your brain that are activated 
emotional sensors, visual sensors, your hearing sensor. And it was just fascinating. Like a lot of it went over my head. I won't be, I won't lie to you. <laughs> yeah. um, he gets into a lot of kind of granular detail, which does go over your head. But the premise of, it was a lot, I was tossing between that and the chimp paradox, which talks a lot about how your brain receives information or reacts to a situation. Your kind of automatic response as opposed to your, when you're in a kind of focused state as opposed to your emotional mm. uh, response. And um, it's just a fascinating read about how you interpret information. It doesn't, it's not exactly completely about music, although he talks a little mm. bit about notes and timings and timbre and all this stuff, which I didn't do music since my recording days back in first class. So um, that went over my head. But fascinating read if you want something that's left of the middle. You love music as a human being. Yeah. Do you love music as a sportsman as well? Is it part of your preparation for a Yeah, game? yeah. I mean, once I get into... The changing room, when we arrive, I have like a game day playlist on Spotify and I'm constantly adding to it and I just hit it on shuffle and then... But is it pumped up stuff or is it mellow or what, what do you... It's, like? Oh, it's pretty heavy on, on hip hop actually, oh, yeah. um, but I, I love all sorts of music, um, even have like a beats pill above my seat in the change room now, not on match day, but in our in UCD where we train, have the tunes playing the whole time. I just love music in the background, I have a vinyl player at home, I just love music playing in the background, I think it always... It's such an emotional driver. It is. And this explains why. Yeah. Um, explains the areas of your brain that light up when you listen to music. It's not just, you know, music in, music out. It's, it, it lights up emotional, visual, your deep learning center as opposed to your kind of um, temporary learning center at the front. And um, for anyone who likes music or just likes learning about the brain, it is something that is a little bit left in the middle. You might have to struggle through it at times, but um, if you're looking for something very different than what you wouldn't normally read. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fascinating. I, it's funny, uh, we were getting our house renovated recently and we just we didn't have it. You know, we were, we were in a rented house. We didn't really have a, a record player or a CD player. Or and I really, really missed having music in my life. It, yeah. uh, there was a real sort of longing there when I went back and, and we could, I could play my, uh, my music again. Wherever I go, music is on. Whenever we go on tour, I have my beats pill straight into the room. It goes on. Usually room with Keen Healy, so he probably hogs it. But, you know, we always have music playing, always. Okay, fascinating choices <laughs> from Jamie. He said, The 4-Hour Series by Tim Ferriss, The Paradox of Choice, Why More is Less by Barry Swartz, No Limits, The Will to Succeed by Alan Abramson and Michael Phelps, Brands Win Championships by Jeremy Darlow and the book we were just talking about there, This Is Your Brain on Music, The Science of a Human Obsession by Daniel J. Levitin. Just briefly, just, just to finish, when I read these choices, they're definitely the choices of someone who is striving for excellence. But they're also the choice of someone who thinks an awful lot about, <laughs> about life and what makes us tick. Yeah, I'm fascinated about people. I'm fascinated about, which we don't know what's going on. We're constantly learning, constantly evolving. People don't know, like, take the brain. People don't know how, how the brain really works. They're only at the tip of the iceberg right now. And I think it's no harm having a more holistic approach and open approach to things. And some of these books, some of them touch on that, some of them touch on how I approach the sport now. And then, you know, Brands and Championship is probably more how I want to be involved in life after rugby and maybe sport or whatever path that takes. Which uh, I thought that was probably the best way to uh, sum me up and I think you hit it on the head. Yeah, fascinating stuff. An absolute pleasure to have your company. Jamie Heaslip, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, here at Top 5 Books, there's a lot more interesting guests and book recommendations in our podcast feed if you're subscribed or following us on your podcast player. So if you're listening on iTunes, I'd appreciate it if you could subscribe to the podcast. You might even give us a rating uh, if you've indeed enjoyed any of what you've heard. 
Also, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Chains Top 5 Books.